Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. I had to quickly make sure that the button was turned on so you can hear me. It is a wet, yes, wet. We got a lot of rain last night The coming into work early this morning. There was a little bit of a fog in the air, plus the ditches are full of water, so I can just imagine. You can feel the crispness to the air, and as we see more leaves turning yellow, we see there's a little slowdown that's happening, and dormancy is in its prime. It's getting there. But what is September? September, it's autumn dreams. It's the thoughts of turning to what to do in our gardens. And always, what are we going to do next? It's always that forethought of gardeners, planning, scheming. Yes, I'm going to move this, move that, put it all together, shake it up, make it what we want it. But September is beautiful. It's the slowing portion of it. So, yes, a mum. It's all about September. Please listen. Sweet is the voice that calls from the babbling waterfalls in meadows where the downy seeds are flying and soft the breezes blow and eddying come and go in faded gardens where the rose is dying. Among the stubbled corn the blithe quail pipes at morn the merry partridge drums in hidden places and glittering insects gleam above the reedy stream where busy spiders spin their filmy laces at eve cool shadows fall across the garden wall on the clustered grapes to purple turning the pearly vapors lie along the eastern sky where the broad harvest moon is redly burning ah soon on field and hill the wind shall whistle chill. The patriarch swallows call their flocks together to fly from frost and snow and seek for lands where blow the fair blossoms of a balmier weather. The cricket chirps all day. O oh, fairest, summer stay! The squirrel eyes ask the chestnuts browning. The wild fowl, fowl sorry, fly afar above the foamy bar and hasten southward ere the skies are frowning. Now comes a fragrant breeze through the dark cedar trees, and round my temples fondly lingers in gentle playfulness, like to soft caress bestow in happier days by loving fingers. Yet, though a sense of grief comes with the falling leaf, and memories make the summer doubly pleasant, in all my autumn dreams, a future summer gleams, passing the fairest glory of the present. And we're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal, and you can see there's a different feel in the air. Yes, we're into autumn. The, the kids, or the grandkids too, are back to school. We're back to routine. And maybe it might give you a little bit more of the afternoon time to get back into the gardens. There's a lot of conversation about sort of a... When can I move things? When can I transplant? When can I plant? And it all realms down to 
the answer. Okay, there's two trains of thoughts. In spring, we want to get into our gardens. We're, we're like eager to get in there and get the glory of sort of all that flower happening, uh, flowering and getting things bright with color. But there's kind of the saying that's in it um, that years ago someone used to tell me, and if somebody came in and said, when, when's the best time to plant a tree? Somebody that used to be here with us, uh, a very dear gentleman that was, his name was Miles, uh, used to say, well, there's a, two versions of saying, well, the best time to actually plant a tree was probably 20 or 30 years ago, but the second best time is now. So planting happens spring, and it also happens in the second garden season, which is fall, because the ground is warm, it's welcoming to putting our roots nestled into there. So that's where we delve into doing divisions. Yes, divisions of planting. We're going to talk about that. We're doing about new plantings of trees and shrubs. Soon we'll be doing overseeding of our lawns. So this is the opportunity to actually get there. So planting in the fall, yes, it can be done. And if you've got some uh, thoughts and processes of how you're wanting to do it. It's always a good time to do that assessment. I like taking a cup of coffee and going through and sort of seeing what does well, what needs a little bit of remedy or help, or is there an adventure for some new plantings? Let's go right to lines. Lorette is on the, uh, waiting here. Hi, Lorette. Good morning. Good morning. My question has to do with garlic, or my question or my comment, I'd rather say. Oh, Okay. Last week, towards the end of the program, a gentleman phoned and said that his garlic was, like, unwrapped, that the silky little peel was off the the, the clothes. Yes, yeah. And and, uh, he said, I waited until the plant was completely dry, and this is where he went wrong. I've had that experience a couple of years back. I didn't think my garlic was quite ready to harvest, and I left on holidays for a week. When I came back, uh, the uh, not all of them, but quite a few of them, this like wrap, little silky paper-like yeah, wrap, was off, and the cloves were separating. And now I did it again this year as a test. Okay. And it's exactly what happened. It looks as if the plant is ready to like replant itself. Yep. And the clothes are separated. Now, I've heard, before I had heard to harvest when it's one half dry. Now, this last summer in some uh, gardening tips book, I read uh, to harvest when it's two-thirds dry. Oh, well, that is very good tip for everybody. Well, that- I... I'm sure I'm not the only one who has experienced that, but I, I wanted to share. Well, thank you very... You know what? It's sharing amongst ourselves that gives the best tips for the best sort of opportune for everyone to get uh, a good crop going. So thank you very much for phoning us in with the information. Thank you. And where are you calling from, Lorette? St. Adolphe. St. Adolphe. Oh, hello to everyone St. Adolphe. You're really close to us, so good morning. Yes, and we had, since Thursday, we had exactly three inches of rain. Oh, you know what? We could tell because the ditches up here just uh, north of you, they are level. They are full. So uh, the earth is replenishing itself. But I, we had a lot of rain this year. But uh, we'll, I guess we'll take it and we'll just uh, keep on trudging through it. Thank you for calling. for next year. 
Yes, it will. It will. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Bye. And bye bye. And you know what? When we come back, we're going to talk about garlic because um, that just gives us a preempt because there are so many different garlic varieties. Someone just gave me a little message here uh, that knows me on Facebook that says that they actually start picking their garlic for harvesting, uh, for pulling it out in the fall when the leaves start to uh, die from the ground surface. Radiating, radiating upwards. So there's another little sort of tip from somebody that's given us. So th- I think it's going to be a busy morning, guys. So the lines, mark it down, 1-800-374-3315 if you want to uh, give us a call. Right now we're going to go right back to the lines. Tina's waiting. Good morning, Tina. Yes, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Just, I can't hear you very good. I know that sound, the commercial was a little louder, but now... Speak, if you just speak, then it's not as loud. I don't know. So my phone is uh, my phone is high as it can be, so loud. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll try and get okay, it. Okay, uh, now it's better. Okay. Yeah, this is good now. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just uh, phoning about the uh, raspberries. Uh, the plants, uh, I have never seen it any ever. ever. So uh, was it maybe in August? I never uh, watched the time. So, uh, so and it's about 12 inches, 6 inches, and two, 24 inches. All of a sudden, the top uh, uh, branch is uh, dying. So, I don't know what's going on. I have never seen anything like that. Well, what would that be? So, your raspberry branches are dying. And are- on the top, yeah, about six inches. Some are twelve, twenty-four. It's just all of a sudden hanging down and getting all wilted. Oh, young well, pa- young plants. I have never seen anything like that. So, okay, and you've had. Ample moisture and... Well, whatever rain we got, so... Yeah, okay. So if there is, um, check to see, and have you been fertilizing or non-fertilizing? No, never. I have never done that yet, so... Okay, because certain, uh, in certain areas where we find uh, you might want to take a sample of the branch that's dying back uh, in a clear plastic bag, take it to your garden center and see if there's any signs of diseases or bugs on the stems okay. that are in there because that is indicative that's in there. Um, that could be sometimes, uh, and is it in full sun? Yeah, No, uh, not quite, no. Maybe no, uh, so on the north side, I guess. No, on the east side, actually, between the houses. So Okay, but and uh, if, it's, if it's between the two houses, do you have good drainage in that area? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess in the afternoon, the, the young plants are coming up, they're just traveling too, you know, so... They're more, they can get some sun in, uh, later in the afternoon, so. Okay, because if we're, um, good drainage is important, and because we've had so much moisture, sometimes we get um, diseases caused by plants being in too much moisture too long, which could affect and cause uh, some diseases that are in there. But I would also be sort of looking at it if there's a different type of blight or a Boitritis or an anthracnose disease that's in there. So it would be kind of indicative to sort of see if you can get some stemming or some leaves before they start to fall or change to see if there's something that's affecting that, okay? Yeah, so I know. I almost one branch left hanging out. Some, some I could just, if they're hanging down, just like that, I can pull them off. And this one is almost like 24 inches long. That one is kind of harder to pull. I couldn't pull it off. That's still hanging there, so. Okay. So, and if we can sort of have somebody take a look at that to assess it, if we see some of the stemming on that, because okay. this is the type of time of year, too, that if we see it early enough before the leaves start changing, that can help us. Because, of course, 
Um, I'm looking outside my office here, and I can see a ton of yellow leaves and beautiful red leaves right now. So we want to take a look at that prior to it, because fall could mimic or hide or disguise some of those diseases. Now, the other thing that you can do, and it's recommended in our uh, gardening aspect, is once the leaves have fallen off of trees and shrubs categories, there is a dormant oil lime sulfur spray that you can apply to the bark of trees to help to reduce and uh, care for overlying diseases and sometimes bugs in those crevices of those plants. So that might be a step that you might want to take after the leaves have fallen off your shrubs, okay? Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's funny, I have never seen anything like that, so I don't know, it's unreal. And then I want to ask you about uh, rhubarb. So I still have a green plant that uh, still has uh, the shots, the flowers. So I don't know, left and right, I could pull them off and break them off, they're still going. Well, what what causes that if the rhubarb gets those, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> flowers, you know, whatever the seeds, what that is. Somebody said those are poison. Somebody said, oh, you can make pie from that, but some have said, no, they're poison, so I don't know. No, you just, rhubarb, you just want to use the stalks, you don't want to use the leaves or yeah, the flowers. Yeah, I know, yeah, but this, uh, when it's come it, to the seeds, it keeps, you know. It keeps producing seeds? Yes. Oh, the, well, and otherwise the rhubarb is healthy and all that kind yeah, of stuff that's looks, on it? Yeah, looks good, yeah. Well, I would say it's just trying to produce some more seeds to make some more generation. Oh, sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes if we get some plants that uh, produce heavily in seed matter after a season of stress. Okay. We sometimes see that. So it could be an indication that it has had maybe a little bit of a stress on it this year. Maybe the stress factor too. We saw it two years ago when we had two years of drought and then all our evergreen trees were abundantly loaded with cone development. So... In certain instances, maybe the rhubarb was in a, another indication of some stress, maybe too much moisture this year or something else that's causing it to go into a form that it wants to produce a seed variety, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this, this happens a number of years ago, even in spring. I have other rhubarb, too, and it seems like there's just plenty of all, there's nothing there left anymore. The plants just seem like just disappearing. And in spring, too, they, they, had, they had those seeds, too, again. So I just okay. break them off, but... Uh, uh, here, well, they're still coming out. So okay, but this the plant was doing well, or the yeah, this, plant this, is this, yeah. This this green one, uh, taru, that is doing okay. Okay, but, but the other ones are just pretty well, hardly not not left anymore. I don't know what's going on. Years ago they were just loaded, you know, nice uh, big and now it's and then they also get yellow. It doesn't take very long. Then they get yellow, the leaves and stems and everything. It just can pull it off. It's like all mush. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, in some cases too, if your if your varieties of your rhubarb plants are very very old, it's nice to give them some rejuvenation by lifting and dividing and adding new soil around the outsides of them. Because okay. if the if it's been there for twenty years, sometimes they will weaken themselves. Okay. Rejuvenation comes from lifting, dividing, and splitting. Okay. Oh, okay. So maybe do a little lift, divide, split, and uh, try and save the ones that are maybe struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay, and I want another thing. This gentleman phoned last Saturday. I don't know, remember his name. And he's about uh, the canning the garlic and, the, and they can't buy any more of those lids for the quart jars. Yes. So I, uh, I, I didn't see any of them either, but I saw, the, I, well, the 
rubber rings, the red rubber rings. And, and where did you find those? Canadian Tire, I think. Uh, oh, I, I might, can't remember the Canadian Tire. Anyways, um, oh, I can't remember. Oh, we came from Sage Creek, and then we, uh, the first Canadian Tire, I guess, is closest to the... Oh, in Southdale. Southdale. Southdale, yes. Southdale Canadian Tire. Okay, well, that's great. They had the red the rings. Not, not very many packages left, but there were some. I bought only two packages. I still have those glass lids, some of them too, yes. So, but then my sister figured, I don't know, she said she'd like this metal ones much better because then you know they're sealed. And there's rubber rings, you see that really don't know are they sealed or not, you know. So, I, yeah, they're hard. And I, I have to uh, admit too that uh, I did a little bit of canning with my uh, daughter too. And uh, we have some sizes that we weren't able to find the metal rings for. So, we actually invested in a little bit of a different size of of containers now to have our feature of our salsa in. So, yeah, there is a shortage out there. But yeah, thank you for sharing the, that. What's the reason why? Many, many years ago, they were also, they, they stopped making them. People complained, I guess, and then they start making them for a number of years again. But now it's, it's they can't get them anymore. What, what's the reason? Why didn't make the other lids? Why can't they not make the court ones? Just kind of that, I, that I don't know, unless the it could be maybe to do with maybe some of the factory or the supply chain, because that's been a little bit of a hiccup for the last few years on certain things. Yeah, or, maybe, yeah it could be that uh, years ago, well, more people were canning, and maybe less people canning now, and all of a sudden, I guess they make the bigger ones, the court jars, the wide rings, so actually, so maybe that's the reason why, so and they maybe sell more of the little ones than the bigger ones. Maybe that's why they stopped making them. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I think I'm just, uh, I was very surprised I saw the red rings uh, at Canadian Tire. So, well, thank you for sharing, and I think there's going to be a rush of everyone going to Canadian Tire. <laughs> yeah, but there might be some left. Who knows? But maybe well, different... thank you for not buying them all and leaving some for yeah, other people. <laughs> yeah, I just took two. I mean, two packets, and I left. I don't know how many were left. Maybe six or seven. I don't know. Not very much. Anyways, okay, then. Have a good day, too, and thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome, and okay, thank, thank you, you for uh, being with us. Okay, okay. bye-bye. 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 You know what? Everyone is out there canning. It's uh, the bounty of doing our harvesting, and it's so much tastier. We're back to the garden, and let's go right back to lines. We're going to have a busy morning. And Mary's, uh, good morning, Mary. Hello, good morning, yeah. Good morning. Thank you for waiting. Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, I have a problem with, I don't know why, this year I've got... Underneath the skin on the tomatoes, they seem to be uh, little white bumps in there, like they're soft, but yet they cluster, and it makes it hard to peel a tomato. It kind of hangs together, and have you ever seen that? Uh, Yeah, sometimes you will get on tomatoes. uh, The tomato actually looks quite red, and you really don't see the uh, piercing point, but some insects, like a stink bug, and that will... Uh, make a little injection point into the tomato and they basically suck the juices from there and then when you're slicing or opening up your tomato you find that you find these harder white yeah spots that's in there it's caused by a bug that's oh, okay. um, you're sharing your tomatoes there mary with some bugs <laughs> uh, yeah uh, well i've shared them with quite a bit uh, between the deer and uh, and then uh, i've got a lot of grasshoppers too and Ooh. I suppose, yeah, there's other bugs in there, too. 
Yeah. So um, it just makes those spots a little bit harder. You can still, you know, you can still eat them. It just makes it a little unsightly, but they're not as juicy because they're, mm-hmm. the, you know, that uh, that beautiful savory taste of the tomato has been uh, shared. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not a problem to eat or anything then. No. No, um, we were doing, like, uh, I think I, if you were listening before, I was doing some canning of some salsa last week, and in some of the tomatoes we had, we had some harder spots. They take longer to uh, render down. Uh-huh. Or in, in some cases where we were doing our slicing, if we found a harder spot that was in there, I just cut it out a little bit. Yeah, but I sometimes that, that, that was a big, bigger stink bug that had a good share. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, there is such a thing as a stink bug, and would it be that one that's doing it? It could be that one, or it could be another bug that's on it. Yeah. Um, it's frequently, if you're looking at your tomatoes that are on there, it's just sometimes, uh, I know we always saying be careful with water and watering them off. You can apply uh, diatomaceous earth if you're wanting to do that, because then before harvesting or using, you can do a good wash of that off. It would okay. help to remedy. Okay. Yeah, well, they produced good and everything else. It was just, I was, I hadn't, uh, you know, I wondered why. One of my friends here was saying she had that in hers, too, and that, so. Okay, yep. that's that's good if they're edible anyway. Okay. They're still edible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. You're yep. very welcome. Bye for now. Bye-bye. That that kind of gives me a little bit of a giggle because even with the raspberries, when we're doing raspberry pickings, uh, sometimes uh, my grandmother, years ago, uh, I would say, ooh, she had raspberry bushes out in Russell, Manitoba. And I remember walking down to the park to play. And at the back of her, she always had raspberries in her neighbors. And I think a few times I've said, I don't want to eat it because there's a bug. And she would just say, well, you've probably eaten 20 bugs that you didn't see. So <laughs> a little bit of protein on that portion of it too. But yes, it makes it a little uh, not so, you know, hey, Share it with a bug, you know, that's in there. But if in certain instances, just cut it out if you're wanting to do it, that's on it. And this brings it. I said that we wanted to go back to Lorette's conversation with garlic, and it kind of goes on with canning and also with our salsa and tomatoes, is the amount of garlics that we have. And if you're looking at the garlic selections, there is a diverse variety. I was just looking at it. The ones that we really like to uh, plant in our area is a hardneck. So if you're out looking for fall garlic to put into the garden, take a look at some of the varieties. And some of them are just, uh, the sounds of them are really kind of delicious. Can you imagine the different types of flavors that you can get? Now, there is a Siberian. It's a purple stripe. Now, I look at it as liking color and texture that's in there. I think the beauty of peeling that as a culinary aspect. Now, your Siberian purple stripe is going to be strong and spicy. Yep, that looks good. Russian reds that are in there is your also a purple uh, stripe variety, but it is very strong, tasty, great cold hearty, but it's a hot spicy as well. Now, if you're wanting to go into sort of the other ones that we are finding that were on the market that's in here, there's a German white, which is a beautiful porcelain white one and it's got a really strong robust flavoring great for roasting stores beautifully and 
when you look at your varieties of garlics that are in there, take a look and read your packaging because it depends on the sizes of your garlic that you're growing and how many cloves that you actually get off of your bulb set when it matures. Because there is a huge range that if you're looking at uh, varieties, um, there's one that's called Music, which is also a beautiful porcelain clear white that's in it. Uh, it will store beautifully if you're harvesting in the fall to spring or vice versa that's in there. You'll get large cloves that probably four, sometimes reported seven, eight clove off of the one bulb. Whereas if you're going into sort of the Mexican purple varieties that are in there, it's a little bit milder in flavor, but you will maybe get eight to 16 of the smaller cloves that are in there. So I'm just talking about garlic right now and it just is uh, I will mention that when you're doing it the easiest way that we did and I thought my daughter was quite quick on this our recipe for salsa called for garlic that was in there so lo and behold she has the culinary aspect of her dad she takes these heads of garlic foils them puts them into the oven and slightly roasts them slices them in half in even in their papery measures and out come the most delicious garlic flavors that are in there so perfectly blended so there are so many different ways that you can cook with all right your tomatoes and your garlic all right now the next thing that we want to do i had to touch garlic for sure that's in there because that's that fall bulb that you want to go through and i have to mention that as being gardeners we love gardening And we have some people that come into the garden center, and I love speaking about our gardens. Well, this one lady I do have to mention, and I think you've probably been hearing me saying that there's one bulb. If you are going to plant a bulb this fall, it has to be allium. Allium, yes, is an onion. It is an ornamental onion. They have beautiful big strap leaves, and some of the flowers that are on the top are very reminiscent of ball shapes. Now, Mary came in and she we were talking, you know, talking garden talk. And I had mentioned to her that we were talking bulbs and all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know what? My favorite bulb, and most people forget about planting it in the fall, but they see it in the spring where they will come in and say, I saw this large purple ball on a stem stalk how do I get it and I'd like to plant one in my garden? Well, they have to be planted in the fall in order to bloom the next season. Well, lo and behold, I call it the voila moment. Mary brought a little smile to her face and she said, can I show you some pictures of my garden? I said, yes, let's see it. Well, lo and behold, she revealed the pictures of her garden and I was very impressed of the beauty of this allium garden that she has. She must have had hundreds of alliums that have matured over the years and grown grown into this collage of color that she's in there. And I will promote our Facebook page right now. I'm sorry because everyone has to see Mary's garden. I asked her, can you share those photos with me? Because I'm enamored with this because they're such a beauty. So if you want to see Mary's Allium Garden, they're posted on our Facebook page. So you find our page, you can scroll through. It's an open page. You can see it and see the intensity 
of it. See the beauty of the allium. And the one category when you're looking at the alliums that are in here, alliums come in different heights as well as different sizes. There's one uh, that's Globemaster. I think she's got either got Gigantium or Globemaster, which grow probably uh, 24 to 30 inches tall, which have 10-inch wide blooms that are on them. Just massive or even smaller toted little varieties. There's a new one that I know that I've just kind of been enamored of that uh, it's called Red Giant, which only goes maybe about 10 inches tall, but has again a 10 inch globe across it. And the density of this globe is massive that's on. So it's a late, late spring summer flowering and it works very well in the garden. And as again, alliums know that the foliage will slowly wither away like our tulips in the same category that the sugars and starches of their structure have to go back to the ground. It gives you opportunity then for your next burst of color, whether it's annuals or your perennials that will slowly develop. So it pairs beautifully in that realm of gardening. Now, if you want something that's really fun and funky, check out Allium Schiberti, which is a short variety too, 16 inches. It's got a 12 inch blossom but it looks like a radiating shooting star that bursts open and gives you that effect. And I like it because sometimes uh, one of the ladies that I had sort of promoted this to a few years ago brought me back the dried floweret off of it at one point, and it was a literally 12-inch dried floral of this allium that was stunning. So I'm giving a little bit of a shout-out to Mary if she listens to the show. That is a green thumb up in performance and it is beauty and I like sharing what people have done so that's a little bit that's in there now back to the care of what we should be doing in our garden have you started assessing have you been thinking about maybe like some older rhubarb that maybe needs a little bit of a tweaking plants and perennials specifically need to be rejuvenated there is a little bit of work where people will sort of say, I want to plant perennials because they're less work. They're less work. They're not a no work category plant. So as all plants, they get mature. Their root systems get bound, just like being in a pot. Maybe they get a little bit too compressed. They need their rooting systems re-energized, regrouped. So a little bit of a lifting, dividing, splitting aerating, getting some air down into there, will cause these plants to refresh themselves. The number ones that I always find that uh, divisions do very well with are daylilies. They are one category that if you're looking at the foliage is okay, but they've stopped blooming a bit. They're not that energized wow factor that we had years before. This could be a strong indicator that it's time to lift, divide, And the opportunity is if I'm lifting and dividing, I can lift and divide and put them maybe in a different portion of my garden to help create that balance effect with the color. Or are you wanting to make a little bit more of a bigger garden? And the other aspect too, gift it to a friend. Keep the, keep the color flowing and going and giving it to somebody else. So that's a portion of it too. Now, the other categories is not so much for is dividing a peonies probably not much in that category they're really much self-contained and love that 
little aspect where they're a little bit older and more mature. Hostas, too, really don't need to be split and divided as much as when they're in that other category. So lift and divide, or if there's opportunity, maybe there's opportunity for some new perennials to go into there or some new shrubs. Like this, like this uh, sort of saying says that we said earlier, when is the best time to plant a tree? Yeah, maybe it was 20, 30 years ago, but the next time is now. When we're looking at your trees, and this is important, is looking at them and sort of seeing how well they did this year, kind of give it an assessment as why did it do well and maybe why there was a little bit of a demise to it. If it was in a low-lying area, moisture played a a huge key on some uh, trees and shrubs with premature yellowing this year. So hopefully the ground is going to be nicely moistened at this point for our cedars and our trees and our evergreens because we will soon be entering into that stage where we want to make sure that the moisture is in the ground, especially for them because they're affected by that lack of moisture, which we had two years ago, remember? And... The strong endorsement is if you have trees that are having a little bit of a struggle with uh, diseases, remember the dormant oil lime sulfur that's on it. The other thing too, it's not too late. Um, Some areas, I'll give a shout out. Has anyone had frost yet? If you have not had frost, there's still time to do tree banding on your trees so that you can get out there and do some tree branding for insect uh, prevention that's on it. So it's a little thing that some people have asked and come in. Is it too late? No, you get it, uh, get it on before the frost comes and that will help you to do that effect. Now, soon you're going to be in the area where if we hit dormancy, when do we start pruning our trees? And the reason why I'm giving these little reminders is that we can put them into your diary If you have a garden journal, it's always great to see what you've done, when you've done it from year to year. It gives you a little reminder of tweaking of sort of little tasks that should be done from month to month. But it's the perfect opportunity to go back to the garden shed, make sure your secateurs, your pruners, your loppers, and maybe your tree saws are sharpened for when we're ready to go and get that portion of it done. Let's get everything set up so that we're opportunity to get it going and growing. Now, here's the next one. And I'm sorry, I've got this. I've got a whole collage of lists of things sort of to give you reminders of things to do before we do get this frost. Uh, I know that it's been dipping a little bit cooler in the evenings. Now, don't forget about those uh, perennials that are out, or not the perennials, sorry, your tropical plants that need to come in. All right. We want to make sure that they're coming in. This rain that we've had have given it a beautiful wash off. So maybe after this rain effect, it's time to bring it indoors and see what we can do about it. All right. Well, each show seems to go a little bit faster. We're almost closing. This is also the call and the shout out to maybe start thinking about creating beauty and color and get a fashionable planter at the front entrance to make that welcoming transition for fall to Thanksgiving. Yes, it's going to be coming up. And what better way to put some ornamental grasses, some mums, twigging, branching, and make it sort of a fashionable pop. And when I mention fashionable pop, I'd like to do a little quick uh, shout out that we are doing our fall charity fashion show. Yes, we are back 
to our fashion show charity events. So if you're in my neck of the woods in the area, Sunday, September 25th at 1.30, we're going to have some girls on the runway with some flowers and fashion. So join us. Thank you so much for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. We love talking about our gardens and sharing the info. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.